in looking at that, and I want to, and, and that's going to be my next stuff to get into is, is that team. But what, what's terribly interesting for those that, that didn't do the quick math, and if you've been following along, you just heard Chad say, as GM of 100 plus thousand square foot big box retail in the home improvement space, during the pandemic, his store went from the bottom to having 17 weeks top three in his region or his territory. That means that they went from being at the bottom to being in at the top for a third of the calendar year. And then on top of it, where in everybody that, you know, is aware of what happened in the last year knows a lot of folks were, were scared to go out. We didn't, like you said, we didn't know what's going on, but your employees wanted to come to work. Like th that says a lot about what's going on, which is how do you get like that? That's just amazing. And it goes back to that secret sauce. So um, three markets, bottom of the barrel or bottom of the scorecard, the report card on, on how your, your big box metrics are measured by corporate. And again, we're talking a, a business that does tens of millions of dollars a year in revenue. So this a few million a month plus in revenue in you three different markets, one during the great recession, one during the pandemic, you went from the bottom to the top. I, I think that's, that's the story that's worth sharing. And I think that's where the opportunity for a lot of people that they're a hopeful young, young manager, they're a hopeful executive, they are an executive that's trying to figure out what's missing, or they're that small business owner entrepreneur that is like, I, I, I'm passionate, I'm excited, but what do I do? And, and I think let's get into that next. Uh, let's take a break for a second, Chad. Breaks over. <laughs> That's an easy spot <laughs> to edit. So I'll kind of reintroduce who you are and then I'll start with the, the next piece here. Okay. So you guys are checking out Small Business to Grow. I'm with Chad Forrester, a GM, a general manager of a hundred plus square foot retail big box store in the home improvement space. If you've been watching along or you've seen maybe one of his other clips, you know that in three different markets in the United States, three different big box stores, he's gone from the bottom of that territory for his industry and his brand to the top. So now we're gonna dig into what, what Chad has kind of said is, is a simple secret sauce. So culture. You walk into, and you've done this two times in the last few years, three in the last, in the near recent history, you walk into that big box on day one, how do you fix the culture? I mean, the first thing you got to do, and I've done this in, uh, you know, through my career of 20 years plus being a store manager, uh, you've got to analyze and you got, you got to feel what's going on. It's, it's hard to explain. So when you walk into a building, especially as a leader, uh, we all do it every day. When we go into uh, the grocery store, we go into the, the, the Walmarts of the world or wherever we're going to shop, you get a feel for the store, right? And I do it to a different level. Anybody that's a retail leader does it to a different level. As soon as you walk through the building, you can tell if a store feels good or if it doesn't feel good, right? So uh, ultimately, you walk into a, a store that's challenged, uh, it, there's a different vibe, there's a different feel. So then you go around and I spend uh, about the first month 
Uh, now you can, it's, it's hard to pull back the reins because after doing this for so long, you know what need, this needs to get fixed, that needs to get fixed, and this needs to get done. It's hard not to do that. It's hard not to just come in and start hammering, you know. You got to go in and, and, and learn your people. So for the first four weeks, I'm just introducing myself, telling my story, telling where I've been, what I've done, what I believe in, having fun, joking with the team, and getting their story, learning something personal about them. Do they have kids? Are they in school? Do they have pets? What do they do for fun? I mean, that sort of thing. And you learn your people for a month, and that'll tell you exactly where the morale is in the building, because the people are going to tell you. You're going to come in as a new leader, and they're going to say, you know, just by the, reading between the lines, you know, this sucks, this is horrible, this is this, this, that. So you take mental notes and you write them down later. This is what needs to get fixed. So then after your first month, then you go into fixing those things. And that's how you turn the building. So you, so if I heard you correctly, what you're saying is that first 30 days, and we established in the last video that you've been in, in three different stores and three different markets in the United States. So that means in, in those three stores were, were underperforming. They were at the bottom of the corporate scorecard. So for 30 days, you know what's wrong and you're just taking it. Like it's, yeah. it's 30 days where you know you could start making changes and see some improvement, but rather than do that, you're patiently stepping back and, and learning the people. Yeah, because, you know, as a leader over the years, I feel that I've uh, developed some some core things that I do that's maybe may unique to me, but but uh, it's my my game, you know, so I go in and I can throw my game at them right away. But usually when you take a store over, especially one that maybe has seen a lot of managerial turnover, uh, you come in and throw your game at them, they're not going to buy what you're selling. And that's ultimately what you want them to do is buy what you're selling and, and understanding that, hey, if we do this this way, we're going to win. You know, I, I've done it in the past, but if you come in and try to start changing everything, uh, sometimes you got to kind of massage what they're currently doing to sway it to your side of the fence where they think it's their idea. <laughs> you know, you got to try to help them understand that they're, they're making positive change. But if you go in there and try to crank the ship hard right, uh, you're going to take on water. It's going to happen. So that, that's a big part of it. You got you to slowly but surely turn the ship. And, and I guess that that makes sense. But I, I think most of, most of us, especially me, like I would have a hard time walking in knowing that, you know, in, in a business and industry your size, lost and missed opportunity in, in terms of revenue can equate to hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not almost seven figures over the course of 30 days, but you still patiently got to sit back. The right thing to do is to sit back and communicate, understand what's going on. And, and really, if I heard you right, it sounds like you got to give them a chance to understand what you're bringing to the table and let them understand and, and start to believe that what you're you might suggest just might work well you you have to kind of go back to one of the the things i mentioned before it's all about people right so if you don't get the people you're gonna fail so and i get it, it I, I mean i'm as ocd as the next guy so coming in and sitting around for 30 days on your hands and stuff but you gotta you gotta get the people if the people don't buy into to your 
philosophies in your management style and, and what you want to do, you're never going to win. So being a people business, it's all about the people. And I, 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 I can't even say that enough uh, as, as many times it needs to be said, but uh, you got to think about the long haul, right? So yeah, there, you're, you're losing some money for the 30 days that you're gaining the trust of the people and learning about the people, but the people are going to also tell you everything you need to do for the building. So you start taking all those notes. And then once you get that, whatever, it maybe it's not 30 days, maybe it's 27. I don't know, but you know, whatever time you feel comfortable, then you shift gears and you start, okay, we're going to start making our climb so now. Are you, are you literally then like filling a notebook? Oh are yeah. You take, are you going home or are you going back to your office at the store and, and, and making notes and kind of building a playbook? Absolutely. So I don't have the best mind in the world. I can't remember my address half the time. So I have to write things down. And, and when I write things down, I, it helps me remember. But, you know, when, when I go and take over a building, one of the first things I do is sit with all the leadership team and I take notes on my leaders, you know, uh, what they're into, what their hobbies are, what they, you know, what they like to drink. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And all that time, I'm telling them about me. I'm telling them I love cigars. I love bourbon. I work out. I play guitar. I, all this stuff. So it's something that we're on a personal level. And I, I get, I'll get into it a little later, but I, I follow a cooperative command leadership style. And what that is, is way back when I used to coach, we had to develop a coaching style. And when you look at, at coaching styles, cooperative is being friends with everybody, uh, you know, you're, you're that guy, you're the fun coach. And then the command uh, coach is the little, he's the, the fist and, and, and the hammer. So I believe that the best way that leadership style that works for me is be cooperative to the point where they, I don't want to say take advantage of it, but they do, you know, and then you got to be the command guy. You got to say, listen, uh, but my team always, after they get to know me, they know when I'm serious and when I'm not. And I never have to raise my voice higher than what we're talking. I don't do that. It's, uh, I believe that you can get uh, your point across. Uh, one of my points is without being an ass. You don't have to be an ass. So, you just got to. So that, all right. So I, and I think that, that, I mean, that's huge. What you just said. I mean, and you said to the point they take advantage of me, but that probably plays into a little bit, like you said, whereas if, if the employees are happy and it's not at the expense of the store that much, well, then the store is going to perform better. Yeah, absolutely. That's so fair to say? That's exactly 100%. So it, one of the phrases I use a lot with my, my store leaders when we're just talking training, it's when you can get your, your team, the last thought that goes through their head when they make a decision, no matter what it is, is what would Chad think about this decision? Then you won the management game. So that's what ultimately what I'm trying to get done is I want the last thought before they deal with a customer, make a decision on a customer, uh, stock something in the wrong spot just to get it off their cart, to get it put it in the overhead behind something that's wrong. I want them to like reach and say, uh, Chad wouldn't dig this. So, and then do it the right way. Uh, does it work 100% of the time? Absolutely not. Everybody's different, but. Uh, if you can get the majority of the people to have that thought before they do something, then you win. That's the game. Man. All right. So team-wise, how, how do you, I mean, if you walk into a new box, you, I guess we'll start with what you already have. So 
So there's already employees there. And you spend that 27, 30 days learning the environment, understanding the culture. What I guess the first thing is like, what do you do if you've got a bad apple? Someone that shouldn't have a seat on the bus. Uh, well, okay. So <laughs> this is a whole nother animal. So ultimately, I, I think I said something about this before is nobody comes to work and, you know, it says, you know what, I'm going to do a crappy job today. I'm going to just, I'm just going to blow this place up. Everybody wants to do well, but the key to the whole thing is they want to be recognized for what they're doing. So that recognition is what's huge is you never miss a chance to recognize somebody for doing something right. Now, when you find them doing something incorrectly, it's all about how you handle that. Again, I mentioned, you know, not being an ass. Well, I can teach in the aisles uh, in a positive way and make them understand the why of what we want to do and not be a jerk. And then I can find a way to praise them in the same in that same interaction and, and point out something they're doing right. And for the most part, the, the, the bad apples, so to speak, you can turn. You can turn them and get them on the right seat of the bus. But there's always going to be some that you can't, right? And and those people eventually will promote themselves to customer. Okay. All right. Promote to customer. So then when you look at adding to your team, how how do you attract talent? And then can you walk through maybe you guys have a need it bringing like filling that need? Well, I mean, as it's, it's kind of multifaceted. So as far as our, we have openings in certain areas, we post those openings and then people apply, go through a phone screening process that's, you know, from our corporate side of things and get an interview. So the, I guess the key is where that interview process comes into play. Uh, I trust that all of my leaders do interviews. So I, a lot of store managers, I want to be the final one. I want to, well, I'm not the one that works with them every day. You, my 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 ASMs and my department heads are going to be the ones that work in the trenches with them. They have to believe in who they're hiring, and then on vice versa, if they're hiring somebody, yep, this is the one. This is going to be the trick. Well, if it's not, it's on them. You hired them. You got to develop them. So this isn't working. You got to figure out a way to get so, to these people. You feel that that then contributes to having just an overall happy happy to be here, happy to, to do well and produce team and environment on your staff is the fact that your ASMs and department heads are involved in picking the people they, they're going to be happiest with. I think that's what I'm hearing. Well, well, look at it this way. So if you go into, say I'm going to walk with a department supervisor on whatever the, their day of the week is. So I'm going to walk with them and I'm going to say, okay, well, what's going on? Oh, Susie did that. Okay, well, that's not right. Well, yeah, Susie's horrible. I didn't hire her. I'm like, okay, I got, and I learned this, you know, through trial and error. It's like, okay, all right, we're going to let you hire Susie next time and see how this plays out. So then you walk with them and say, hey, what's up with this? Oh, Jimmy did that. Okay, Jimmy's your guy. So what happened? Well, I need to develop Jimmy and we need to have a talk. I think that's right. I think you need to talk to Jimmy and figure this out. It's, it, they have to have buy in. And that's the whole thing is it's a team atmosphere. Uh, Nobody wants the coach that that's selecting the players and then just pushing them on them and saying, hey, deal with this and fix fix this guy. He's not very good, but he's the best we could find. So fix it. it okay, it's a, so, more of a team effort. 
and that and in part of getting that buy-in is probably directly related to they're part of the process you know and, and they know you're pointing it out like hey listen Susie was someone else's now Jimmy's yours we let you bring Jimmy in so so that's giving them a little bit of buy-in on both if Jimmy does a great job or Jimmy's not doing as as good a job as he possibly could nonetheless they're they're they've bought in and they're going to help make it right absolutely and I mean I've had times where a, a department supervisor is like hey I, I interviewed this person and I don't I don't have a feel for it could you talk to him absolutely yeah send him down in the office and I'll talk to him and then I'll bring some points to him and I'll say hey if you if you feel you want them take them and you know then they then they get pumped up you know then they're training them teaching them and then then they'd be like, yeah, see, I told you they, they want to tell me and, and that they were right. You know, they want that feel that they were right. Uh, and it's all about that buy-in. And ultimately it goes back to if they don't believe what you're selling and they don't buy into the entire big picture of the team, uh, it's a lot harder to get to where you're going. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a lot harder. In, in terms of retention, how do you, you mentioned before, if they're, if they're not going to be with you long-term and you're going to develop them and they might go do something else, how, how do you manage retention? How do you look at, you've got some great contributors on your team. Like what's your approach to keeping them? You got to take care of them. I mean, it's all about taking care of your associates, you know, and everybody that works with you. Uh, and, and a long time ago, one of my uh, regional vice presidents came in and he asked me, he's like, uh, you know, wh what do you do to take care of your people? And I'm like, mm. I mean, we get them pizza every now and then, you know, we buy them donuts and stuff. And he goes, what else? And I'm like, um, I don't know. I mean, popsicles in the summer. I mean, he's like, what else? And I was stumped. And I learned right then, okay, that's not taking care of your people, buying pizza and donuts and popsicles. It's great. Then everybody loves food, especially where I work. Everybody wants, when we have some kind of devil's food cake day or whatever, everybody's all in, but it's more about the, 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 the inner workings of taking care of your people. Cause it's something as simple as, as uh, sitting somebody down and saying, Hey, what's your future look like? Uh, have you heard about our 401k? Have you heard about our, our stock program? Have you heard about what, and, and I'll tell them straight up. And, and it's not about that bragging part, but, uh, my company takes care of me very, very well and allows me to do things that I grew up pretty poor and I never was able to do before. And I want to explain to them how that works. So that retention piece is my passion for working for the greatest company in the world, as well as saying, you can do it as well. Come up from a part-time whatever and be a store leader, a district manager, a regional vice president, whatever you want to do. And again, we don't do it for free. They will pay you insane amounts of money to do this. If you love it, then it's like you're almost stealing. I feel like I'm stealing sometimes. It's just that piece of it is explaining to them how their future, they could do things for their kids they never thought they could do. It's, and it's all that passion about that. But then again, I've got kids that work, are working. One of my guys that's working for me now is a mechanical engineer. He, he's just waiting on a job. I know that's, he's going to go away and he's amazing. So that's tough. You're going to have that, but you got to take the, the good with the bad and you're going to retain some. And in retail, unfortunately, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of folks come and go. And uh, it's just to try to hang on to as many as you can.
So the, that same manager comes in today or that same executive manager, regional manager walks into your box today and says, Chad, how do you take care of your people? What do you do? What's your answer? What's your, what's your elevator answer in, tar in terms of how you take care of them today? It's about development. And, and it's, again, my job is to make sure they're safe. I'm taking care of my people physically, you know, making sure that um, it, it's our business of being a warehouse. There's a lot of stuff where people can get hurt. So I'm always talking safety. We're always talking about physical safety. I want everybody to leave the way they came into the building. So that's a big part of it. And then, uh, you know, making them as much money as I can, that's taking care of my people. So uh, we have a, a, a kind of like a profit sharing program. So with through the COVID time, my, my people have gotten the largest checks they've ever seen in their life. And that's taking care of my people, making sure I'm making them as, as much money as I can. Uh, and then the other part of that's the development part. And, you know, uh, something as simple as I call it Foundation Friday. So we do a 15, 20 minute uh, little class on Fridays and it, it, I let them choose the topics. We'll we have a little basket. They'll drop topics in there. Things they, it might be uh, a, a markdown process they want to learn more of. They want to learn more about where how things work in tool rental. They want to, whatever that, that development is, and we call it Foundation Fridays. We're building foundations. So it, that's how I take care of people. It's, it's development, it's taking care of their safety and making them as much money as we can. <laughs>